Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, today it's really a big pleasure. A CX expert and a fellow podcaster is together with me. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hi, Greg. Very good to be here. I'm really happy to be here with you. Thank you very much for coming back to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Peter Pirner is together with me. I am super, I am super thrilled and super happy to have him because in the Dach region in Germany, in Europe, Switzerland uh, is very well known. His podcast is one of the most listened podcasts about customer experience. And therefore, I'm thrilled to ask him some questions. But before we deep dive in the experiences that Peter has as a customer, I would like to introduce to you our today's top player, and that's Peter. Peter, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah. Happy to do that. Actually, I'm Peter Pirner. I'm a SIX advisor, coach, speaker, moderator, and host of SIX Talks, the German-speaking podcast for the Dach region. Uh, my background is I uh, studied, taught, and received my doctorate in business administration with a focus on organizational psychology and empirical research at the university in Munich. And then I worked for Kanta for something like 23 years in a wide variety of global and national leadership roles, mostly in six management and digital research. And I literally worked with all global counter accounts because my role was to support them. And I worked with many international clients in almost all industry. I led several rollouts of voice of the customer programs, mainly in the automotive industry when I was heading the automotive department. And um, I, but I, I also did that with banks and insurance companies. So, uh, and at the end, I was basically board member and domain lead or domain head and was responsible for all the CX business of Kanta in Germany. Um, today, I'm just a consulting partner of various different management consultancies. For example, I'm partner of the Institute for Customer Experience Management, the ITSEM. I'm a member of the advisory board of a Swiss management consultancy, Accelerom, and of a specialist portal, which is Marktforschung.de uh, in Germany. And uh, I'm still a member of the advisory board of Petlando, which is a company my nephew brought up, and where we managed a turnaround in the growth phase. And now they are really very successful, a very strong player in the German market for pet accessories. So... I'm still a bit in the business with, with a lot of different aspects, and I'm very happy that it is like that. Thank you very much. It's an incredible experience, and also for the audience, we have really a, a guest that knows what he talks about. But before we start discussing uh, other things, where we can find your podcast? And I really recommend to everybody that understands German yeah. to subscribe CX Talks from Peter Pirner because he's really one of the best in That's our That's the region. attitude, Greg. That's the attitude. Thank you very much for the uh, uh, for the ad. Actually, you can find it on, on any podcast uh, station, on Apple, on Spotify, whatever. 
And if you're not sure where the links are, just put in www.cx-talks.com and then you find the latest episode and you find all the links. You also find the YouTube channel, everything. And as usual, you will find all the information also in the episode's notes. Mm -hmm. Peter, with your long-lasting experience uh, traveling around the world and so on, which values drive you in life? That was a good question because you, you gave that to me a bit early and I thought, what, what are the values that drive me? And uh, then I wrote down a few and I'm quite comfortable with them. First of, first value is really curiosity. I think it's good if you're curious. I mean, that is also sort of industry illness. Each researcher needs to be curious, otherwise you are not a good researcher. And the curiosity drives you to see different industries, to understand different clients, to understand different customers these clients have. And I love to be curious, and I hope that I will be curious until the end of, until my last day in life. Another value, which is a very personal value, and I think is really important to me, is authenticity. I want that people see what they get. I try to communicate very clear, respectful, but very clear. If I like things, I like things. If I don't like things, I don't like things. Uh, and I'm too old to tell something different. Uh, what I also like, another value is I like to build things. The podcast was the latest thing I built. And before I built various products in Kanta, I, I, I created new client relationships in industries we haven't been successful for a long time, or we, 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 we built a supplier ecosystem for new offers. This is something I love, something that is not, does not exist yet, and you can create it. Um, and another thing is that I really feel it to be very important for me is having the freedom to choose. I want to have, I always want to have the freedom to say, I do that, I don't do that. I'm suitable for that, I'm not suitable for that. And uh, in my age, it's easier to do these things. In my 20s, in my 30s, I did everything, whatever people told me. And I really enjoy that I changed as a person to take me, take this freedom uh, and to make my own decisions. And actually, uh, this led to a more, yeah, satisfying life, actually. Thank you, because these are not values, but are also learnings from, from your career, from your personal experience. Mm -hmm. And some a lot of them I share too, and therefore super keen to start, to start understanding and deep diving in your experiences that you can then analyze and we can deep dive together. Okay. As, uh, as CX experts, CX aficionados. And today we really speak about your personal experience that you had mm -hmm. with several businesses. And the first question I would like to ask you is, which is the last positive experience with a business you remember? I think the most positive experiences you typically find are in hospitality. It's easy because people are very service-minded and people try to make you an evening unforgettable or a stay in a hotel really unforgettable. Um, and as I made many good experiences in this hospitality area, 
I still would say I made a very special experience in a restaurant we went, we, we go to for now 15 years in Barcelona. My wife lives there and she, she lives in that uh, barrio. And uh, they have excellent food. There are not many tourists, uh, family-led, mid-level, really nice people. They know us by name, which I typically don't really need. But I'm probably the only German who goes there. And uh, before August, we went there. And it was also their last day before they went on summer vacations. And then happened something which is really special because we go there, we go there anyway. And out of a sudden, every single one of the three waiters or waitresses came to our table and wished us wonderful summer holidays and explained a bit their story, why they go there, that uh, they shared intimacy, they, they shared their own private life. And uh so we all were really it was a very nice experience because you you form part of, of of the whole group. And then I went to the kitchen and I said bye to the to the chef, which I enjoy for 15 years. And he said, Ah, you are Peter. They all talk about you, but I did not know that you are that. And my big learning is that if you want to make great experiences. You need to give something also to the people who create these experiences. Service is always a two-way interaction. If you're an asshole, they treat you like an asshole. And if you're nice to people, typically most of the people really treat you very nice. This is not only true in restaurants, but it was so obvious in that very moment. And I was so touched because, I mean, we always had good experiences there, but actually this was really like family in this in this moment without pretending that we are family. And then I thought we, we too often forget that it's part of a really positive experience is, is our personal attitude. Do I want to have a positive experience or do I want to have a negative experience in hours to make the face that people say, oh, whoa, 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 whatever we do, this guy will not be happy. So for the sake of your own mental healthiness, try to be positive, and then you make much more positive experiences than you thought. I think what you're saying, it's, it's really interesting because it uh, clearly uh, sh shows that it's a customer experience or business is a relationship between two parties and both parties need to agree to have exactly. a good relationship. We, all, we always talk about what does a company need to do in order to make their clients happy? The reality is sometimes also the clients need to do something in order to allow a company's clients, uh, employees to make them happy. This is true in B2B. This is true in B2C. This is true in, in hospitality, in, in whatever, uh, in any service industry business. It was also true in research. No, exactly. And the second thing that you that you that stand out to me, it's empathy, really yeah. taking care of the others and what they are thinking and what they are doing. And, the, and this is the and this is the key. There is no technology yet that it's able to replicate empathy and understanding exactly what what what's going on. And I really like this this first story. Um, trying to go perhaps to a not so good story. Could you please share with us uh, the worst experience you have had with a company and why it, it made it so worse? In general, I'm a positive person and I don't remember all the negative things I sometimes happen to experience. But there was one thing that really stood out and I even made a podcast episode on that because I was so angry. And actually it was uh, Dyson. 
and I love their products because the products are really, these are really great products. With one exception, the damned ventilator I bought for more than 300 euros, he made noise. And if you buy a very expensive ventilator and you're close to the end of the guarantee, then you don't want to have a ventilator that still makes noise. So I took my chance two months before the end of the guarantee and I said, look, something goes wrong. I sent everything in, check it and please repair it before the uh, guarantee is, is over. So uh, I sent in the original, including the pack packing and the remote control. It came back one week later without the packing and without the remote control. And then I could not even test it. Then I wrote, what's that? I said, you should have read the instructions. Why did you send the remote control? Uh, so actually my temper started to get a bit angry. Then they sent me with a very bad, uh, 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 it, it, then they sent me an email, look, this is a new remote control. We understand you need to test it, but actually it's your fault. And we just do that as a service to you. And I said, look, uh, you lost my remote control, not the other way around. I started the remote control and the noise was still there. I said, hey guys, then I wrote on various channels. Now you can escalate it because I know the processes in service management. So just put me on the next level and please pass it on and treat it seriously. Otherwise I really get angry. And they said, okay, send it in again. I sent it in again, I received it back, same noise. And then I really escalated and I was uh, menacing them that uh, I would put it on social media because this is not the way how to treat customers. Mm. So we sent it twice through Germany. And then out of a sudden, a human being entered the discussion, going out, uh, jumping over the, 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 the standard phrases. And she said, hi, I'm, I'm, I don't know the name, but I'm Lisa. I'm heading the team in customer service. I can't believe that this happened to you. And I said, yes, it is the case. I said, no, no, we, we will solve that all nice. And she was nice and she said, no, I, I did not even get all the information. There was customer feedback. Ah, they sent a customer feedback questionnaire. I wrote, look, there is an open case in my case. I'm really angry. Send it to the people who work on that because I know this will be the normal process. Please do that. And she said, I, I could not see that because I receive it once every month and just on an anonymous level. I cannot do anything. I did not see that you are the one who had a problem. I just saw there were people who were unhappy. By this, you see, if you manage these processes in a bad way, you can cause even more harm than if you would not have implemented anything. At the end of the day, they sent me a new double as expensive ventilator because my was not available anymore. But my point was not to get a more expensive ventilator. I wanted a white one and they sent me a golden one. I did not want a golden one, even if it's worth 600. So I sold it. And actually, so they did not make me happy with some, with giving me something more valuable because it did not have value for me, you know? And uh, my learning from there was poor people in bad processes. Because when I talked to the lady, who tried to intervene, and she explained me the background because I said, look, I understand how these processes work. Please try to optimize them because you're a great brand with great products, but this is pure bullshit, what, uh, pure shit what you're doing. And uh, what you see is if the service process is badly managed, then people don't have a chance to rise and shine. 
They just have a chance to fail. And those who love to fail for a long time are those you do not want to have in a service organization. Because most people just want to have success. Most people really want to make customers happy. And uh, for that reason, it's really extremely important to, to understand the service journeys, to optimize your processes, and to give your employees the chance to intervene when things are escalating. This was actually less than amateur league of a premium product. I think what you're saying, it, it's really interesting because if you need to stick to the processes and procedures, then uh, you will never find a solution. We need individual... If they're bad design, if they don't exactly. have something, if they don't have a chance to create a workaround in a specific situation. And for sure, again, back to the human connection, somebody trying to understand and trying to empathize with you, finding yeah. solution, but they were not able to, to find the right solution. But you are a positive man, as you said at the beginning, therefore, let's try to find out something positive. Is there a specific customer service interaction with the company that stood out that was really positive for you? I mean, there is one general answer I always give, and it's it's a bit like people say the brand I love most is Apple, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I like Apple. I have all Apple stuff. But in terms of service, I'm still amazed after all these years by Amazon. Because when they promise something, if it's delivery date or if it's uh, uh, whatever it is, they always keep their promise. And if something goes wrong, they solve the problem without big, argu uh, big argumentations. They just solve the thing, say, no, send it in. You don't need to argue. Just, just give it back. And I think this, for me, is still the benchmark in service processes. But it's a big machine because it's Amazon. Yes. And, of course, you can also have uh, uh, the opinion that you don't want to uh, feed a big machine like that. But a few, uh, few, months, few months ago, as, as you are saying, I bought a second-end uh, book from Amazon mm -hmm. and they promised to deliver it within, I think, something like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And after two weeks, I didn't receive the, the book and I was not aware of that the two weeks were gone. And I got a refund, first of all, automatically. They said, we didn't kept our promise and therefore this is the refund. Two days later came the book and then I asked, how should I pay now the book? Because I got the book. And they said, no, we didn't uh, um, reach our promise. You keep the book, you keep the money. The money is our fault. And that was, okay, this is really incredible. And I think the consistency of having a clear promise and a clear process if you keep or not keep the promise, exactly. that is the strength. It's not the promise itself. It could be... a. Uh, for example, it depends a bit how you promise things. For example, in logistics, uh, there are three major logistics providers here in Munich. The one describes from the very first moment, I come in a time frame of one hour between two and three. And over the day, this one hour moves. <laughs> and there is another strategy. I promise you it will become in the morning or it comes in the afternoon. And as soon as I know a bit more, now I can promise you it will come in the next two hours or two hours later. And then actually you said, look, it should be there in the next hour or in the next 20 minutes. 
So they they use informations they have in the logistics process to make a good promise, which they can keep. The other ones make a promise they can't keep. And I say, why do you send me timings if you change the timings after that? And I understand that you cannot promise me exactly in the beginning of the day what will happen uh, five five hours later because there could be a traffic jam, there could be anything. And so the, the, the brand promise, the service promise is key externally and internally as well because if people think it's a reasonable service promise we make, then, then there is a reasonable KPI you can work against. And this leads to normally better processes and better experiences on the, on the, on the client side. Uh, you mentioned already earlier writing feedbacks, and I think this is one big topic in, uh, in our field, in customer yeah. experience. Did you write a positive review about an experience and why? I mean, I think review management itself is really very, very interesting. I read reviews and I also work with a, a review company here in Germany that collects reviews from all different sources on products. And they they can analyze these reviews also to, to find out if there are quality issues. I don't write reviews on products normally, but I write rec uh, reviews again in hospitality because for them, a bad review can be a real danger for the business. So the more reviews you have, then maybe one or two, which could be even your competitor, do not count as much as the many you had with positive reviews. And if I, if I liked it, I'm really happy to write a positive review in that case. But I think that is the industry where reviews have an almost too big influence on the business. No, that's 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 clear. I think this is the 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 fuel fuel that that people companies should use to understand what's happening in the business and to take actions out out of it. And um, perhaps the the last question: um, How you found yourself? Um, have you found yourself in a situation where um, you asked? I want to speak with the CEO, I want to speak with the manager, I want to to a solution from somebody. And you already shared the Dyson example, perhaps you have another that you can share with the, with, uh, with the audience. Now, I have a rule for me. Actually, what I try to find is a supervisor, because sometimes a supervisor knows more than the one who is an agent. I can say, I understand that you cannot decide that right now. It's not your fault, but could I speak to a supervisor, which is a good possibility to get on in a service process that doesn't work perfectly and to keep everybody in a comfortable position. What I don't do, I want to speak to your manager because this is just, I want that he makes you a hard time afterwards. No, because actually that does not help me in, in, in that very moment. And actually to CEOs, I know there is a sport to write to a CEO to, 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 to make uh, uh, to get something you other, otherwise nobody would give you. I think that's not in most of the in by far most of the cases. This is simply not fair. It's just a game. And actually, I made this game when I was a student. I wrote to the Bavarian uh, prime minister and complained about the bad weather. <laughs> and the only thing was that some people in his department need to write me an answer. The prime minister really regrets it. 
but he cannot change the bad weather. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but actually, this is what happens if you write to a CEO. Someone else needs to answer you. In many cases, you don't have enough background to really make a good decision. And it's more for your own ego than for a, for a, for the total effect. So CEOs typically know. I think what you're saying, it's interesting, not willing to be unpolite, but the big question is, does the CEO knows more than the supervisor? I am not so sure. That's the first question. And, and what I re I understand and I like what you said, I want to speak with the supervisor because the supervisor's more decision power. But the big question that I have is why the employee speaking with you uh, doesn't have the power to solve your issue because we are always speaking about empowerment and ensuring that employees can can solve um, uh, uh, self-problems, questions, answer questions and so on, but they are not allowed, they are not able. And this is something that I still struggle because for you it's a service disruption. It's not the uh, the first contact resolution because you need to speak to somebody else you need to explain it again and so on you lose a lot of time we made research on that actually i had a client who had a problem with the complaint process and so we tested various possibilities to improve the whole process uh, and checked how big the effect was on the customer experience or customer satisfaction in that case and uh, the biggest effect was that an agent could buy, could then decide up to 100 euro completely on his decision how he wants to compensate the client. And the this client was a bit afraid that this would raise the costs for compensation payments. But... The contrary was the case. Actually, the compensation payments were not higher or lower. On average, it was still more or less the same. And even if, if everybody would always have given the 100 euro, which did not happen, then it would still be cheaper than having various escalation processes because it's a very, very simple calculation. And uh, I heard, I think it was Niels Hafner who told me they, they made similar experiences also with the contact center. And I think this is something if you give that, if you have the trust that people make a good decision and you give them a certain budget that allows them to make a customer friendly decision, this is a very clever investment. In, in reality, many companies have learned that also over the years. And and what you're saying, it's we have this uh, great example from Ritz Carton that every employee has this budget of some thousand euros yeah. to to spend to to solve these issues. Exactly. And um, they one uh, one senior manager was was asked about that, and he said exactly what you are saying. First of all, they are not always spending the the whole amount. And secondly, the customer lifetime uh, value is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Therefore, if you compare that, it's not uh, it's not so much. No, uh, we are coming to an end of this game. Yeah. I still have for the last few minutes the extra time of this game. Few questions for you. First of all, um, we are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast in ten years from now. What we are discussing about? We discuss. 
probably the more or less the same topics, but we give them maybe different names. Because I started with customer satisfaction, then with stakeholder management, then blah, blah. Now it's customer experience management. But it's behind that is classical leadership in companies, probably with different technology, certainly with different people. But it's all about making companies better serve their customers. I really love that. And um, one side note, uh, I we are speaking now about about roughly about since 50 minutes. It's the first time that you mentioned the word technology, and uh, and and I love technology. <laughs> this is this is this is what I really like. We spoke about your personal experiences, and it was always about processes and human beings. Yeah. And what I see if I open my LinkedIn feed, it's always about technology. But the reality as a customer, it's we have issues with processes and we have we need people to find solutions. But technology forms part of a good process. And I think the intelligent people in the technology companies, at least beyond the, the standard marketing message, they address always you need to be very clear where you want to go what you want to achieve, how you want to achieve that, and what role my technology plays in that. And if you are not clear in that, I can make a sale, but we cannot make it a real success story for you. I fully agree. Technology is the, the mean and not the solution, and therefore it's why I really enjoyed this discussion. Mm -hmm. What's the best way to find you? The best way to find me is listening to my podcast, if, you're, if you know German. Uh, or you send me an email at pirna at cx-talks.com. I, I will be happy to 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 answer to that or, or go on, on the website. As Thank you very much. I will share all the links in the show notes, yeah. podcast, uh, LinkedIn, and, and email. And now really the last question is Peter's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new to leave to the audience. Two years ago, you got me with a golden nugget and I did not have one. <laughs> then now this time, this will not happen again. And I thought about it and I thought, yes, this is what it is. Successful customer experience management always starts with listening. You listen to the customer, you listen in a one-on-one, -on -one, you listen to your customer in a feedback system, you listen, you try to understand where does he come from before you offer something. So if you, you cannot create great customer experiences if you don't start with listening. And you should also listen to our podcast, yours and mine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Peter. It was really a great pleasure to have you back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Please stay with me to the audience. It's everything. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion. Absolutely. Please Follow this podcast, follow uh, CX-Talks. You will find all the links in the show notes. If you understand German, thank you very much and bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.